it's my pleasure to have among us ms urvasi prasad a public policy specialist working a, at niti aayog and the most important think tank of government of india at the same time she is also a founder of at every voice and member task force on sustainable development goal implementation government of india and more importantly she has done her masters degree in public health london school of hygiene and tropical medicine i welcome you madam on behalf of this bhu thank policy you so cast much. thank you for having me and myself i am uh, uh, dr abhinav sharma working as associate professor in the department of political science at banaras university so today we are going to have interaction on this topic which is a burning issue at the moment the topic is covid-19 and public health care in india so i would like to first pose some questions which have which are there in the minds of people at large in case of our public health system there has been issue of that we are having a grossly underfunded and patchy public health care system what are your views on this particular perception of common people yes uh, i mean this this is true to to a very large extent uh, we we have not historically uh, spent you know anywhere close to what we should be spending if you see uh, a common metric which is tracked across countries which is the percentage uh, of your gdp that you spent on uh, on health and and how much of it comes from public sources we are we have historically been one of the lowest in the world so i think there is no uh disputing that that fact um now of course it is important to understand that health in india is primarily a state subject still so uh, a lot of the control a lot of the funding what happens on the ground uh depends on the states the center has a role to play obviously but the role of the states is much greater uh, in a subject like health so we see a lot of disparities we see some states which have invested a lot in health and they are actually coping with this pandemic also much better uh, whereas there are other states that have not in the past invested as much uh, and there we are seeing the usual sort of challenges you know in in dealing with uh, with this issue as well so i think it's a case of a lot of inequities uh, the center is of course committed to raising its spending on uh, on health uh, to at least 2.5% of the gdp by uh 2025 if not earlier um and hopefully after this you know we we will see this number going up uh, much more quickly but it is important that states also ramp up their uh, spending on health in a big way because uh, they are the ones who actually account for a large share of uh, public spending on healthcare so i think that is that is very important and hopefully after after this pandemic although it's a very unfortunate thing that has happened um but hopefully healthcare will get a lot more priority uh, after something like this uh then ma'am uh, can uh, the central government through maybe your think tank niti aayog help in this mapping of healthcare facilities 
along with the state yes, government yes yes so we we have we are doing a lot of that uh, you know as the central uh, government a uh, few weeks back they have set up uh, 11 empowered groups to to deal with this uh, pandemic each group is in charge of very specific areas uh, the empowered group one is on the uh medical emergency management plan which is led uh, by our member niti ayog dr vinod paul and as a part of that uh, we have undertaken a very extensive exercise uh to map out you know what will be the requirements uh, for hospital beds for ventilators for uh, healthcare professionals across the states so we have done projections and we have tried to look at you know the worst and best case scenarios of how the pandemic might pan out and then we have done uh, projections for what all facilities will be needed now based on that uh, a lot of the states have already started uh, putting in place facilities in a phased manner so a lot of dedicated covid hospitals are being set up a lot of dedicated covid centers are being set up because it's important to note that 70 to 80% of patients uh, are actually asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic so they don't actually need very advanced hospital care so for these people um, what we are also putting in place are the care centers the isolation uh, centers uh, where where patients who have very mild disease um, or who have no symptoms at all uh, can be kept till the time that they test negative um in fact for for a lot of people who are who have very mild symptoms the ministry has also uh, released some guidelines for uh, self isolation at home uh, very recently because not everyone needs to be in a hospital in fact it is greater risk if everybody is in a hospital you know even if they don't need to be so so we are we have put in place a preparedness plan for different types of facilities and we are working very closely with the state governments Uh, to ensure that you know in the hot spot areas because this is not a disease which is uniformly spread across the country there are some areas which are hot spots so we are doing our best to ensure that in those hot spot areas uh, there is no shortage of infrastructure at this time okay thank you uh, there is one more thing that on the one hand i have just talked about the grossly underfunded and patchy public health system what about the case of that uh, in case of uh, uh, millions of indians we are being compelled to uh, go to the unregulated private healthcare sector how the government is trying to do something about this unregulated private healthcare sector yes so so i think in india uh, you know the way it has developed and because we have put in very little money over the years you know this is not something to do with one year two years five years 10 years i think over the years in india we haven't put in enough uh, money into into our public health system which means that the private sector is actually the one that dominates but unfortunately a lot of this private sector is very fragmented so the large you know big hospitals are only in a few cities across the country but most of the private sector in india is you know one bedded two bedded uh, hospitals very very small nursing homes and the regulation of so many uh, facilities obviously uh, does become a challenge so i think this is a very big issue which is a very big health system issue uh, which the government has been taking several steps even before the pandemic uh, to address this now of course at this time we have to make do with whatever we have because you know we have to respond very quickly at this time 
so at this time we are trying to engage with you know as many private providers uh, and this is being done in various states in gujarat for instance in ahmedabad you have a lot of these private facilities so the government is doing its best to engage you know with them but also aggregate them because you know if you have just one beds two beds three beds in your facility um it's not something which is you know conducive for uh, making into a covid you know hospital that needs that needs you to be much larger and at a much greater scale so scale is really the problem in a lot of our private sector uh, but we are doing our best at this time because at this time we we don't have the you know the luxury to address broader challenges you know in this short period of time so right now we are doing our best to you know involve whoever we can and and all types of providers uh, because the idea is that we want to have maximum preparedness thankfully at this stage india is not uh, doing so badly at all in fact if we compare to the rest of the world we are doing uh, very very well in fact only so hopefully we will not reach a stage you know where we even require uh, so many beds and so many you know ventilators and icu and all of that but our preparedness is certainly gearing up for you know any worst case scenario that we might even face so at this time there's a very close uh, coordination that is needed between the public and the private sectors and i think we are also urging the private sector to really come forward because the government hospitals are all at the front line the government doctors are at the front line but we cannot do this you know without our private health sector also stepping up to the challenge so they need to come forward and they need to also help in the delivery of non covid uh, essential health services because what happens at such a time is that everybody is focused on covid but there's a lot of other health issues in our country we have tb we have cancer we, we you know we have malaria we have so many other challenges so we also need the private sector to help in ensuring that delivery of these services is not disrupted and this continues so that we don't end up having more deaths and more challenges from non covid issues uh, than actually covid in these months very true man quite true uh, one thing more uh, just now you talk about the isolation yes. uh, and quarantine of those who need uh, some kind of uh, physical distance to maintain but there is an issue of uh, some kind of fear of isolation stigma attached to those who have been quarantined and isolated yes. what steps we can take yes so i think you know social uh, stigma is becoming a very big challenge we are seeing unfortunate you know attacks on our health professionals we are seeing that uh, mm-hmm. you know doctors who have passed away they are not getting a dignified burial so you know social stigma mm-hmm. is not new to the health sector uh, even for tb if you see tuberculosis is a disease which is highly stigmatized uh even though it is yes. actually perfectly curable you know it is not a death sentence so we are doing our best mm-hmm. to involve civil society to involve uh you know religious leaders elders in communities you know everyone who people listen to and people trust to get the message out there that yes it is it is a disease it is a worrying situation but it's not a death sentence and as i just said that a large number of people actually Uh, will have even no symptoms or will have very mild symptoms and can recover very quickly so there is absolutely no reason to uh, create panic because if we create the panic and we create the stigma then the people who actually need to reach the hospitals early uh, will not come because they will be hiding their condition so people who are elderly people who have diabetes who have kidney issues who have heart issues these are the people who need to reach hospital early 
for the majority of other people it will be a mild infection or you might have even no symptoms and that's why the ministry has now taken out guidelines that if you have a mild uh, infection and you are capable of isolating within your home you can do that you don't need to be brought to a facility or you know you don't need to stay at a center if you can stay in your home you can isolate uh, you can follow the ministry directives then you can you know just be at home also so i think this is something that we are really trying to get out there this message along with civil society along with uh, you know other influential people in the community uh, to say that this is by no means a death sentence you know it is it is not at all in fact in india luckily in many areas uh, it has been a fairly mild uh, sort of infection and we have not you know seen the kind of high uh, icu rates and the kind of high you know rates of patients needing ventilators like we have seen in a many many other countries so so at this point it's not such a grim scenario yes we have to be careful yes we have to keep up our you know uh, physical distancing we have to keep up our hand hygiene we have to do that but it's not something to panic and it's definitely not a death sentence it's definitely not something that you can't recover from but in certain cases what i have come through me the social media and other uh, media channels that uh, those people who have been uh, taken uh, from their houses on their account of being uh, in touch with some if, uh, some contagious person they are being kept separately and lot many hospitals where they have been kept separately there is a delay in the pathological test reports which yes. is creating some kind of stress stress and mental agony to them yeah. what about this yes so no so yeah so like as i said you know now the guidelines have just come for self uh, you know isolation at home so that is something that has just come a, a day or two ago so a large number of people can avail of this uh, they don't uh, you know if if but they have to obviously follow the the directives the problem is uh, at times if we just let people to do what they want uh you know sometimes we don't see very responsible behavior and we don't see people see people also need to be responsible i think this is very important uh, thing to note that in any public health crisis of this scale uh, ultimately it comes down to how responsible each one of us one of us is the government can only do so much uh, the government cannot police each one of us it is up to us there are many people who are obeying the lockdown very strictly but there are many people who are not there are many people who are going out when they don't even need to go out so i think these are things that you know a lot of it comes down to individual responsibility because if we don't follow it uh, then the government is sometimes forced to take stronger actions and if you see around the world uh, we are talking of taiwan which has done very well now in taiwan uh, they have put in lakhs of people into quarantine centers which are actually being run by their military you know so so uh, so this is how you see if the problem starts getting out of hand uh, these are the ways in which countries have run it now we are you know we we are a country which believes in freedom we give a lot of freedom to our people but but that freedom has to be used very responsibly at this time you know if if we are experiencing cough and cold uh, we have to you know be responsible we have to stay at home we have to stay away from other people if we don't do that then the government is often sometimes left with no option you know but to say well we'll have to put you in a separate center because you are not adhering to what you have to adhere to so i think a lot of it you know comes down to our individual actions as well so i think the government is trying every day you know we see something new coming up every day we see the level of prepared preparedness going up 
uh, testing facilities also we are trying to ramp up in a big way so i think all those efforts are on but it's very crucial to emphasize on the role of every individual in something like this people who can do it i understand there are a lot of people in our country who are poor who are you know for them it is a very difficult situation so those are not the kinds of people you know i would refer to but there are plenty of us who can isolate who can afford to you know follow these directives and yet sometimes we don't unfortunately so i think that is the the kind of responsibility we need to uh, bring into our you know actions as well at such a time so that means that we have to be also dutiful absolutely 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 and uh, one more thing is there that uh, i have been discussing with my colleagues and some students with regard to this covid 19 uh, management uh, some of them uh, or most of the majors and few of my students and some of our colleagues were of the view that uh, maybe we are focusing on on the urban areas what about the rural areas Yeah, and so, essentially, not many uh, migrant workers will be coming back or returning back to the villages. Yes. And our primary health centers yeah. and the various health facilities, which are at the uh, village level, they are not up to yeah. the mark. So, what will be? What is the scenario with regard to this this yeah. rural so, uh, healthcare so center? So, I think the first, you know, very fundamental thing to understand is that this is a disease so far primarily of the urban areas, and this is true all over the world. This is not just true for India. but if you look at hotspots all over the world it's new york it's you know in italy it is their big cities uh, it's the big cities the big urban centers where you have densely populated uh, you know areas which are most at risk and that's why you are seeing a mumbai uh, you know having the highest number of cases because we know it's a very densely uh, populated city it has a lot of urban slums uh, so that is why the focus is on urban areas because that is where we are seeing the highest load of cases fortunately in a lot of states in a lot of districts which are predominantly rural uh, which inherently have you know more sparsely populated uh, you know areas we are not seeing that kind of volume of cases so uh, it is important to note that most of our cases are concentrated in a few cities uh, across the country at this point or a few major urban centers and that is why our response has been to focus on these to ensure that there is minimum spread out of these urban centers now even for the migrant workers a lot of states will be bringing them back but they will be put in 14 day quarantine uh, when they enter a state that is crucial because otherwise if you are coming from one state to another uh, you could easily you know bring the disease also so they are going to be moved but it's going to be done in an organized way and to begin with they will be put into a 14 day quarantine Uh, and only then will they actually uh, you know go to wherever uh, they live so so i think the focus on urban is because this disease is primarily a disease of urban areas at this point and and we have to also ensure in a way that it remains restricted to these areas it doesn't start to spread you know far and wide into all our rural and remote areas because there genuinely then we would have a challenge uh, of of much more fragile uh, infrastructure so so that is the whole uh, reason why this is the case at this point quite true ma'am and then when there is one popular uh, message is being spread by the government of india of using this contact tracing app arogya setu yes and uh, this particular app though it is being promoted by government of india and we have also been downloading it 
there are certain issues which are related with privacy yeah for example who is accessing the data is a particular notary agency which is going to use the data second is this a it will be a permanent feature even after the pandemic ends or will continue third some countries wherever it is being used as for the purpose of surveillance either in singapore or in case of america and european countries they are using this only bluetooth but in case of this arog setu what i was going through and this uh, some literature which is available it is using both gps and bluetooth and in this case the exact location of person can be in jeopardy so what about uh, this particular aspect yeah so first of all this is only for you know this purpose i think that is something the government is very clear and and you know they have made it very clear also that this is for the limited purpose of dealing with this pandemic so you know anything that is going to be used is only for this time this is not something that you know we need to have forever and the data also you know the location becomes important because that's what contact tracing is all about i mean in niti ayog for instance uh, we had a, an officer testing positive mm-hmm. you know just a few mm-hmm. days ago and yes. we have made a list of all his contacts you know the delhi government has called up each one of his contacts uh, to get tested so you know at a time like this uh, where you are located and and you know how much uh, you have people in your vicinity who who are either risk at risk or are susceptible uh, that becomes very important that is where the whole location feature comes in because if i don't know uh, what is the risk around be misused in case of a country like india so yeah, technology so, yeah see misuse is always a possibility with any- uh, yesterday only i saw that uh, it was revealed in the youtube and then the patchwork was uh, then uh, modified by the experts so this is a constant uh, issue with regard to privacy isn't it yeah yeah so and there and that those are being tried to be addressed as well i mean i think those are issues the government is acutely aware of and we're tra- constantly trying to address those issues but i think it has to be very clear that uh, you know a lot of people just assume that the government is coming out with something like this so you know they must have some very sinister objectives i don't think that's true you know i think uh, the the objective is very clear uh, that we that we just want to try and use this as a tool and it's not the only tool i mean i would make this also very clear that is, the government is not saying this is the only tool that we will use as i said you know even if you don't have an app if you've been in touch with somebody who's confirmed positive the local government should call you up you should be you know asked to you know go for testing so app is not be all and end all but at a time like this and given the scale of our population and given how difficult it is to trace uh, literally you know each and every person in an area this is just meant to be a tool to augment those efforts now all these concerns are very valid and those are concerns that even the government is you know doing its best to address but in terms of intent i think in terms of intent we have to Uh, realize that there is no intent to you know try and just secretly get some more data out of this or to make this a permanent feature not at all i mean and 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 even for installation i mean it's not uh, you know it's it's in fact it's a lot of the government people who you know we are doing it in any case because we want to see how effective it is how well it works a lot of people out there have not downloaded it and and you know that it again it comes down to your individual choice in this uh, there is a you know lot of choice that you can exercise but i would just say that its effectiveness also depends on how many people are actually using it because if i am using it i have it on my phone but nobody around me has it 
um, then the app, of course, is not going to be uh, useful in any way. So, yes, I think the issues need to be addressed and, and they are constantly, you know, being, you, I mean, you have to realize that we came out with this app in a very short period of time because we had very little time. You know, the pandemic hit us and then we had to, we tried to get the best minds together that we had available, you know, in India. We tried to get people to advise from overseas and we came up with this quite quickly. But with any such product, you always, you know, can have issues. You can always uh, bring in more security features. You can do all of that. So I think that is very much the endeavor. But I, I would just clarify the intent that, you know, the intent is not, uh, to, you know, spy on citizens or to do anything like that. The intent is very specifically related to COVID. And, and once this is over, uh, this is not an app that, you know, we need to permanently use or permanently have with us. So I think that is not at all the objective of this. What about uh, having some uh, permanent feature for infectious disease surveillance, which will be helpful in the timely detection and early warning of disease outbreaks? Yeah, so we have, we, we, you know, we have an integrated uh, disease surveillance program, of course, already in place. And a lot of that has helped us uh, to also, you know, respond to this pandemic in, in many places. In fact, some of our uh, hotspot alerts, the initial alerts came from, from, you know, officers of this program and people who work in this program. So I think this program has to be strengthened considerably. Uh, not just in rural areas, but also urban areas, because I think it's becoming very clear that urban areas are much more uh, at risk and much more vulnerable uh, for breakouts of these kind of, uh, you know, out, uh, epidemics, because because they are densely populated. You know, the, the population density has a big impact on how quickly, you know, a contagious disease spreads. So, so urban area surveillance uh, would need to be strengthened in a very big way. We need to uh, increase our funding for our laboratories, uh, for our lab technicians, you know, because right now we have all the issues with our testing uh, as well. You know, we have a limitation on our testing capacity. So we really need to reinforce uh, all of these areas uh, in a big way. I mean, it's, it, it has been there, the programs, the basic structure is in place. But it needs to be reinforced in a big way, especially to deal with these urban, you know, primarily urban pandemics, because our country is now urbanizing at a very fast rate. Uh, you know, so we have a large number of people now living in urban areas and those numbers are only expected to go up. So that is where I think, uh, you know, is an area which we really need to strengthen because a lot of our efforts have historically focused on rural areas. and. That should continue, and that is fair enough also because we've had large uh, numbers of people living there. But now as we see, you know, large numbers also living in urban areas and cities and very crowded uh, cities, we need to also have a big focus on this in terms of surveillance. So I think um, a lot of the facilities we have, you know, like our uh, health and wellness centers, uh, the government has announced the health and wellness centers, and we're trying to uh, roll them out across the country. They can also play a very big role in, in this surveillance, you know, and basically early warning. You know, what you need with anything like this is an early warning system uh, to tell you that, look, you know, this is, this is a concern area. This is an area which you need to watch out for. So I think, you know, that is something that will, after all of this, uh, need a great amount of strengthening and attention. So we are now coming on the last verse of our interaction and very important question remains. Uh, that uh, how these NGOs and civil society are playing important 
role in public health care especially in these times of pandemic yes no i think it's an absolutely critical role in fact even today we just had a webinar with our ceo mr amitabh kant and the health minister uh, dr harshwardhan an interaction with the civil society and the ngos and i mean their role is is absolutely critical and it's critical on multiple fronts uh, one is on you know just now we are in the lockdown phase and and a lot of uh, you know physical distancing is anyway being maintained but once the lockdown eases uh, we have to you know ensure that people continue to follow uh, you know physical distancing they continue to wear masks they continue to you know not uh, gather uh, in public places in a big way so i think the role has been there during the lockdown but post lockdown i think it becomes even more important Uh, to ensure that people don't give up these practices and these good habits the other uh, area where i think ngos have been and and can play a big role are for the special groups there are a lot of groups uh, that are facing particular challenges whether it's senior citizens whether it's people with disabilities whether it's women uh, whether it's migrant workers so there is a lot of efforts that have been gone going into helping each of these groups because the government capacity at a time like this is naturally stretched government is you know pulled in all sorts of directions at a time like this so civil society can really supplement those efforts uh, by focusing on the the issues being faced by these particular uh, groups and i think the third part would be on the stigma you know which we spoke about because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these ngos csos they have experience of dealing with stigma in other diseases also whether it's tb whether it's mental health uh, whether it's hiv aids so a lot of that experience can be used Uh, to see how we can address stigma even in the case of covid um, because without that we will not be able to uh, you know get uh, the kind of early uh, you know people coming to hospitals on time that will not happen if we have this stigma because everyone is too afraid to even say that you know i have this disease so i think that's another place where you know while government is putting out information government is trying to uh you know put out verified accurate information and and you know put people's minds uh, at ease uh, the role of csos ngos given their wide network given their spread in local communities um is very critical so i think that's why we have also been engaging with them constantly uh, to see how they can supplement uh, the government efforts and how their own efforts can be amplified thank you ma'am I hope you and your family members are keeping well in this time of uh, crisis. Thank you. And Thank you so uh, maybe may near future also we'll be interacting with you to have better Absolutely. and more uh, broad based uh, understanding of various aspects of uh, public policy. Absolutely. And uh, I'm happy to interact with you. Uh, thank you so much i mean your questions were very pertinent and and thank you very much for this discussion thank you madam have a nice day thank you